Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. But just to give a quick recap of what we talked about last time, right? We were speaking about the observances of the Jewish people and how they would celebrate with foods and drinks. There's some foods that would they, they would abstain from. There's drinks as well. Um, festivals that we, they would hold to. Uh, the new moon and what that meant and, and what they did during the new moon, the Sabbath. Right, and where in all of these they had sacrifices, and this that was to point forward to Christ, right? It was supposed to point forward to um, Jesus as being the substance in which all of that belongs to, right? So, those were the shadow of things to come, as it says in verse 17, and then Jesus. Christ, he is the substance. The substance belongs to Christ. And then we spoke a little bit about the covenant of works and then the covenant of grace. Um, and how in the covenant of grace, grace, it points to God's promise to save us even when we fail to keep the obligations. So from there, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. And let's read from verse 16, and we're going to read all the way until the end of that chapter, which is verse 23. So, it says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism or worship of angels going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not touch, do not taste, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So, that portion of scripture is very, very intense, and we have to really analyze it and see uh, what it's what is actually being said in there, but let's go back to verse eighteen, right? So it says, 
Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. When it says, let no one disqualify you, right? The no one there is not one person. Do not let one person, not even one person, disqualify you. Or you can say condemn you. Why? Well, again, who's the you? It's the Christians. Who does the Christian have? What makes them Christian? Well, it's Christ, right? Christians who have Christ, where all knowledge and wisdom are hidden. That's why Paul is saying, let no one disqualify you. Because earlier uh, in that chapter, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, this is what it says, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom of wisdom and knowledge. I say this, so that's verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. You see? Um, there's a lot going on within that time, and Gnosticism is alive there, right? And it needs to be put to death. And why is that? Well, because we have Christ in whom all knowledge and wisdom is hidden. Therefore, I don't need uh, this worldly kind of thinking that I can get special and mystical knowledge as a means for salvation or as the means for salvation, because that's what Gnosticism is. That's what Gnostics believe. But here, Paul is saying, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, right? Insisting. What is that? That, that is to say of his own mere will, out of their, their own wanting on what? Asceticism. And what is that? It's a self-abasement. It's a false humility. And it says in worship of angels. Again, we see many times throughout scripture where people are petrified when they are visited by angels. And what do the angels say? Do not be afraid, right? But they fall down and worship as if they need to worship these angels. And what do the angels say? They say, no, stop, get up. Don't worship me. Why is that? Well, because they are also a creation of God. We are not to worship creation. We're only to worship the creator. And it continues on saying, going on details and visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. And that is to say, fleshly, worldly minded, that kind of mind, a depraved mind. And like I said before, Gnostics believe in acquiring uh, special mystical knowledge as the means of salvation. And according to them, they, they have a God. Uh, it, it's a great God, they, they would say, um, that is good and perfect. But, but here's the problem. But they also say that this God is impersonal and unknowable. But that totally... Disregards what is said in Acts 4.12. And what does it say there? It says, and there is, is, and there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is to say, this message of the gospel is so exclusive that there is none like it, and you will not find it in this world. And there is 
salvation in no one else. No one else. These people, these Gnostics, believe that the world, right, all that is material is evil. But we, on the inside, right, our spiritual selves, they would say that it is good. Thereby, we have to search ourselves for this wisdom that will eventually lead us to salvation. But again, there is no salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Speaking of Christ there. So that is to say, I myself do not have good in me to save me. There is salvation in no one else. No one else but Christ. There is no other name under heaven that we can be saved by other than Christ. And this is the interesting thing with the Gnostics, that there is a Gnostic Jesus. They believe in Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible. They believe that this Jesus has brought a message that brings about self-redemption, meaning that I myself must acquire salvation. But again, if we truly search ourselves, what do we find in our heart? Right? So, when we speak of the heart, we speak of our spiritual self, right? our inner being. And what does Jeremiah 17, 9 say? It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You see? That's where every single person under the sun, under the moon, that's where they all lie in. Their heart is totally depraved, that, is the, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Desperately sick. That means there is no cure other than God himself. There is no cure that we will find here on earth that is not God to replenish our heart and better us. It's desperately sick. And it says, who can understand it? Well, no one can other than God. And instead, what God does is he takes our heart of stone out and gives us a heart of flesh. That's him making us alive. That's him causing us to be born again. Because again, we have to understand going back to this and why Paul is saying what he's saying there. Colossians chapter 1, he spoke about Christ and how sovereign he is, how majestic uh, the Lord Jesus is right, of his majesty and of his preeminence, right, the preeminence of Christ. And he starts off by saying that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, right? He's before all things. And for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. That's why we are not to worship angels because they are under this umbrella of the things created. And God calls us to not worship the created thing. So, we have to keep that in mind and understand that because of that, because in Christ all knowledge and wisdom are hidden, we don't need anything else but Christ. And He has given us His Word and in it. 
we find what we need in order to be sanctified, in order to be more like Christ, and what God commands of us now as believers, now as his children, right? Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason uh, by his sensuous mind, or you can say depraved mind, a worldly-minded mind. Then it says in verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. So when it says, and not holding fast to the head, um, think of clinging on for life, right? Let's say you're at the edge of a cliff and you're falling down and your companion extends his hand, you're going to grab his hand with all that you have to pull yourself up as he's pulling you up. You're going to hold on to him because he is there to save you. And not holding fast to the head, we have to cling on for life to the head. And why is that? Well, it says that from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. That means without the head, the body is not going to grow. The head is important. We have to hold fast to the head, who is Christ. And the whole body is nourished and knit together by its head, who is Christ. Now question, who is the body? The body is the church, is the believers right? The believers, we are nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments. And how do we grow? It says grows with a growth that is from God. That means the source of growth of the body of Christ is God. He grows us with a growth because it comes from Him. And growth there is increase with an increase that is from God. With God, we will increase and we will be made more like Christ. But you have to hold fast to the head. You have to search Christ because in Him, again, all knowledge and wisdom is hidden. And in due time, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us was once hidden. We learn and we gain knowledge. But we're not just gaining knowledge of the world. No, because we know the world was created by God already. No, we're getting to gain knowledge of God himself, of Christ. The knowledge of him is what we're after. And that's what Paul is getting at here. Because it is Christ who grows us with the growth that is from God. If we go to Romans uh, chapter 12, let me read verses 5 through 8. It says this, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is what it says in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. 
hold fast to what is good. Again, there's that language, hold fast. And what are we holding fast to? We're holding fast to what is good. And then James tells us that all things that are good come from the Father of lights, who is in heaven. That means God himself, anything and all that is good comes from God. And we are commanded to let love be genuine, to abhor what is evil, hate what is evil. And it says, hold fast to what is good. And through that, as we are growing knit together, right? We're nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, as it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 19. Um, then Romans 12, verse 10 and on makes sense because it says, love one another with a brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. You see, that's what we're commanded to do now as new believers, right? And later in Colossians, we will talk about how we are to put aside or put to death what is earthly in us. And we put on what Christ, we put on these good things. And what are the good things? What's the fruit of the spirit? And as we're doing that, we are showing that we are growing. And it's, and it's interesting how Paul says that we are to outdo one another in showing honor. We are to be selfless, not self-righteous, because there is no righteousness within ourselves. And the only righteousness that we receive from God is His own righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness. Martin Luther calls it an alien righteousness, right? It's an out-of-this-world righteousness. Because this world, there is no righteousness apart from God. So these Gnostics who are trying to delude these Christians at Colossae uh, do not understand that they themselves are not good enough. And the gospel, again, is so exclusive that there, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's only through Christ, in Christ alone. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 through 16, this is what it says. It says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You see, that's what we are after. And it continues on to say, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together with every joint 
with which it is equipped, when every part is working properly, the bot makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we truly receive the gospel and understand the gospel, we understand the love of God towards us. We are not worthy of God's love, yet scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were lawbreakers, God's love was shown on a cross. We see what the Lord Jesus did for us. Our sins he put on himself. The wrath of God was appeased on Christ. We receive Christ's righteousness and his salvation because the wrath that was supposed, supposed to fall on us fell on Christ. And that's what we must reflect on and think about because that is the foundation, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then from there, we get to understand, we begin to understand everything else, every other single doctrine, right? Whenever we come about that. And in here, right, we can totally disregard this kind of teaching that are, uh, that is diluting the Christians at Colossae. And Gnosticism is alive today too, right? Which is why we are called to not rely on ourselves, Instead, we are to rely on God and, God and trust Him, read His Word more and more, so that we may be filled with the Word of Christ, with the Word of God, and through that, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the Word of God. And not only filled, but also be doers of the Word, not only hearers, right? Deceiving ourselves. We are to be doers of the word. We're to be an obedient people to God, right? There is no neutrality with him. He says you're either slaves of sin or you're slaves to God. Now, the question is, which one are you? And I would say, if you have not repented from your sins, if you, didn't, you have not put your faith in Christ, I would say do so. If you have been neglecting God's word, I would say, well, stop neglecting and get back to it. You're still alive today. You're listening to this. God is allowing you and giving you his mercy by allowing you to breathe another second. Well, use that to his glory. Go back to his word. Pray to God. Be in communion with him. Right? Because Romans chapter 5 verse 1, where said. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, you have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. So through this justification by faith, we have peace with God. Therefore, I am to not fear that the wrath of God or anger of God is on me because of what Christ did on the cross. So come to Christ. Come to God through prayer and study his word and ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding and wisdom to know what is there, to understand what is there, because whatever is written in the word of God, God intended it for us to know it, to understand it. So 
I would say, search the scriptures. Search Christ. But also remember that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So again, if you have not repented, do so. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be saved, it says. Pray to God. And it says, the prayer of a righteous person avails much as it is working. That is to say that the Lord will hear the believer's prayers. The more people we get to pray for us for a specific uh, thing, the Lord will hear many petitions of the same thing because these are his people that are crying out to him and he is listening, he is hearing. So trust God, trust his word and grow. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.